What's up, everybody? We are back again with another Monday episode of the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking a lot of NFL football, recapping the divisional round, and getting into the upcoming conference championship weekend. Also going to talk about some NBA basketball, including the James Harden trade to the Brooklyn Nets. Episode 30 coming at you right now. friends, family, and trolls. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. I'm Preston Pangburn here with my older brother and co-host Landon Pangburn. We are fired up after a great divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Looking forward to some amazing conference championships this weekend. We've got a Rodgers versus Brady showdown in the NFC, Mahomes versus Josh Allen in the AFC. Going to be pretty electric, but before we get to all that, Lando, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. This is MLK Day, so we had basketball, NBA basketball, starting at about lunchtime today. And anytime we have some sports to distract me during the day from work, it's a good day in my books. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I was working from home today, and it was very slow on the email front. So a lot of, you know, just, just chilling with Luke on the couch. There you go. That's legit. Yeah, you also mentioned in the intro that I am your older brother. Don't forget, we are in that time of the year where I'm only one year older than you, so... You know? Yeah, that's a good point. But as you know, I recently turned 30 and I'm feeling self-conscious about my age. So I needed to point out that you were older. I'm glad you caught on to that. Understandable. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the NFL this weekend. The first game from Saturday afternoon was the Green Bay Packers at home at Lambeau against the Rams. It kind of went how most people suspected that it would. The Packers having a little bit too much firepower. Rams, you know, fought back in the fourth quarter, pulled it to 25-18, ended up losing by 14 points. What'd you think of this game? Yeah, like you said, pretty much as expected. The Rams made a very valiant effort considering considering the circumstances. As we know, Jared Goff was not 100% with that thumb issue. Cooper Cup was out, which is a huge loss for them because they really need him on the outside. And then Aaron Donald played some, but he was out a lot of the game with an injury. So they were just already the inferior team. And then with those injuries, they just didn't really have a chance. Aaron Rodgers is, is the superior quarterback here. And the Packers are just a better team. Right. The the Rams were just really banged up. I mean, Aaron Donald was kind of banged up. Cooper Cup was out. Jared Goff limited. So them going on the road, all the chips were stacked against them. No one really thought they had a chance of winning this game. So really, to me, the story here is Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, and that offense has just been unbelievable. They were the number one scoring offense in the NFL this year at 31.8 points per game. They get the number one defense put in front of them, and what do they do? They score right on their average at 32. So it's just kind of at a point where it doesn't matter what defense you put there. They're going to score their 30 points. It's just whether their defense can can hold the other guys. Yeah, the biggest thing that stood out to me, we already know that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are nasty in the passing game, but look at how well they ran the ball. They ran for 188 yards. They had Aaron Jones go for 99 and Jamal Williams go for 65. A.J. Dillon was also pitching in there with six carries. So with that three-headed monster in the backfield, as well as Aaron Rodgers airing it out, that's a pretty nasty offense like you said yeah and we talked about it last week how everyone's defensive game plan against them is going to be to limit Devonte, and the rams did a decent job at that so the packers are just going to need other guys to step up robert tunyon specifically in the red zone and then just 
anybody from that group of uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard, Equinemius St. Brown. Got some great names in there, by the they way. Really do. <laughs> but Lazard had that long tutty. He led them in receiving yards with 96 and that long touchdown. So they're just going to need other guys to step up on the outside, and and it's going to be a great showdown with them and the Bucks. Yeah, one thing we need to mention, everyone was looking forward to the Devontae Adams versus Jalen Ramsey showdown, which ended up not being too much of a showdown, really. Jalen Ramsey was targeted at six times during the game, and the Packers caught all six of those passes, including one for a touchdown. So not a great game for Jalen Ramsey, but the Packers were going to win it anyways. Right. And they got into a little bit of a scuffle on the sideline before the game. I think it was Devontae that went over to the Rams sideline and initiated it, which is kind of the opposite of what you'd expect. But yeah, it was a disappointing game for Ramsey and the whole team. But uh, they're they're headed for an interesting offseason because I saw today that Sean McVay and Jared Goff, it, it was described as their relationship needs marriage counseling this offseason. Mm. So as the Packers move forward to play in the NFC Championship at home, the Rams have a little bit of uncertainty going on there. Yeah, look forward to seeing how that goes this offseason. Speaking of marriage counseling slash chippiness, one thing I really enjoyed all weekend was the general kind of dislike between teams that played this weekend. That's one of the main things that's gone missing in professional sports over the last few decades is teams that genuinely dislike each other. I'm kind of sick of the whole like everyone and every team is friends with each other thing. I like it when teams get after each other and don't like each other. And I saw a lot of that this weekend and I loved it. Yeah, me too. And it kind of started last week with the Ravens and Titans. Mm -hmm. You know, the Ravens just clearly had that loss to the Titans last year bottled up all season and then when they had that huge play with the uh, turnover at the end of the game to kind of get the ball back and almost seal it they went and danced on the logo and started stomping on it and everything like I like to see that stuff I mean not necessarily the unsportsmanlike conduct side of it (laughs) but just I I like the chippy games the teams that like you said just hate each other yeah we don't need to be friends with everybody let's get after it yeah I'm with you well speaking of that let's move on to the night game it was Ravens and Bills what do you think of this one It was a little bit different than I expected as far as less offense than I thought there was going to be. I thought it was going to be a little bit more of a shootout between the two teams, even though they have very different styles with the Ravens being a running team and the Bills being the passing team. But neither offense really got it going a whole lot. Only 20 points scored in this game. And as we both know, seven of those were on the massive 101-yard pick six by Terry and Johnson, which was a really, really, I mean, that was the turning point of the game. Incredible play awesome for him but yeah the bills i think once again were the better team here but this went differently than i thought it was going to i'm with you i mean it was kind of not even back and forth just a defensive battle you know a lot of punts nothing really too exciting until that huge play that kind of changed everything and sealed it for the ravens because or sealed it for the bills because it just felt like the ravens were not going to get to 17 points the way that offense was playing but my takeaway from this is kind of what we feared about the bills going in is that they were a little bit too one-dimensional one-dimensional on offense Josh Allen threw the ball 37 times for only 206 yards and 106 of those were to Stefan Diggs so it's just going to kind of be whether they can get any balance going because if not Josh Allen's going to have to absolutely tear it up against the Chiefs well one thing that really really hurt them in this game and that I'm looking to see next week that's going to be a big difference maker is the health of Cole Beasley he was their clear number two receiver obviously behind Stefan Diggs but he's really important because he in a way is an extension of the running game he's the guy that kind of converts on these third and shorts he's the guy that keeps them moving forward on offense and gains these short yardage plays we saw him up close and personal for seven or so years when he played for the Cowboys and no one can stay on that guy no one can cover him he's always open and so his health I think is a big big determinant in whether or not they can succeed going forward I'm with you on that and do you know Cole Beasley's nickname no, but I, I'm excited about this. I think it might be self-proclaimed, but it's Saucy Feet. That's pretty dope. Is that why he does a little shoe shine deal after every touchdown? That's correct. Okay, that's cool. He's one of those guys that's like, how is this guy a good player in the NFL? But he's 
like a five eight white guy and if you've seen him dunk a ball he can like dunk it reverse dunk it two hands easily he's a freak athlete like you it's wouldn't expect it because he just kind of looks like a miniature version of dirks bentley but <laughs> <laughs> i saw dirks bentley on cma the other day and i was like he kind of looks like cole beasley <laughs> anyway yeah so saucy feet coming back will be absolutely huge for that offense i mean they're gonna need him they're gonna need everything they can get to keep up with the chief's firepower so look out for that josh allen see if he can get over the hump for sure. On the other side, this was a heartbreaker for Lamar Jackson for multiple reasons. One, that pick six, like we said, was the play of the game, and that was completely his fault. And then secondly, he got knocked out of the game with a concussion after a snap went over his head back into his own end zone, and he was trying to avoid a safety. So just not a good game for Lamar. I love the Bills. I've been rooting for the Bills, but my heart hurts for Lamar. Me too, and it was it kind of became a joke temporarily on Twitter before people realized he was concussed and was not coming back, but you remember the game a few weeks ago when he went out for a little bit with an injury and then came back from the locker room like late in the fourth quarter to uh, finish that game-winning drive, and mm-hmm. everyone was like, yeah, I think he just had diarrhea and was in the locker room, so people thought maybe he was just pooping again, but unfortunately, that was not the case for the Baltimore Ravens. Their season is over, and now they have to kind of grapple with how much do we pay this guy? Is, is he you know a $40 million for you know what four years 160 Mm -hmm. guy like deshaun watson was i don't know we'll see what they do it's a really tough call also is that whole maneuver that was that invented by paul pierce the whole fake an injury really have to go to the bathroom come back perfectly fine a few minutes later that's what he originally did right pretty much yeah except he got (laughs) got carried carried off off. yeah was he in a wheelchair or was it just like two guys carrying him hit like one under the arm one under the legs i don't know (laughs) I, i i remember seeing the picture of the guy's carrying him. Maybe they carried him and then put him in a wheelchair. Maybe. Is this like the Mandela effect thing that we were talking about maybe, recently where you, you kind of misremember something? I guess. But yeah, he was, he appeared to be dead. And then, yeah. and then he came back running onto the court a few minutes later. Okay. I looked it up right now. He's being carried off of the court right here by, it looks like Mikhail Petrus and Brian Scalabrini, which is amazing. <laughs> Those are clearly the two guys designated to carry off a dead yes. Paul Pierce. And the then, Paul Bears. Yeah. Got him. Oh, that is, yeah. Yes. Well, well done, sir. Thanks. But then once he's in the tunnel, going to the locker room, he's essentially crying while in a wheelchair. He just comes sprinting out of the tunnel like five minutes later. Yes, and then five and then five years later he says, Oh, I was just going to the bathroom. Maybe that's the Mandela effect. Maybe he misremembered it. Maybe. Because he clearly either that or just the best actor of all time. I mean that can happen if it's like a hyper extension, you just feel like it's a lot worse than it was, but I'm not gonna give Paul Pierce the benefit of the doubt because no one likes that guy. I, I'm not sure that your point is right either, but it's okay. Let's move on. <laughs> oh, yeah. I kind of forgot how I was, who I was talking to. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Fine. Well, let's let's move on to the Sunday games. All right. Let's do it. Okay. First game on Sunday was the Chiefs versus the Browns. What did you see here? I saw the Browns with a somewhat valiant effort until that play that kind of changed everything where Rashard Higgins was going into the end zone on that long pass, gets hit by Daniel Sorensen, fumbles through the end zone, and that kind of just completely deflated them. I mean, they they did, you know, put forth a good effort in the second half to come back, especially after Mahomes went down, but they were just, they were never going to come back after that happened. Yeah, that was a completely devastating play and changed everything. There was some controversy about whether or not that should have been a penalty for a helmet-to-helmet hit. I don't personally care about that at all. The guy, two guys are running full speed, trying to prevent one guy from getting in the end zone. Other guys giving everything he's got to get into the end zone. It's going to happen. Like, whatever. I don't care about that. One thing I have a question about for you is what do you think about that rule? Because I saw some debate about this on Twitter. Like, nowhere else on the field, if an offensive player fumbles the ball out of bounds, does the other team get the ball? But at the same time, I understand why the rule's in place or else everybody would just be intentionally fumbling the the ball forward out of bounds to try to get in the end zone. 
is there any way to like rectify that? Yeah, so I saw the same thing. People were kind of freaking out on Twitter saying this is the worst rule in sports. NFL needs to change it and all this. And honestly, I disagree. Um, and I don't mean to, you know, throw you know water on those flames. But yeah. I just, the, the end zone is kind of the sacred area where the rules change. Like if an offense gets tackled in their own end zone, it's a safety. And then they have to punt the ball back to the other team. Like that's a weird rule, yeah. right? Yeah. That's just kind of how the end zone works. And you can't take that rule away and just make it a five, 10 yard penalty where the offense retains possession or whatever the alternative suggestions are. Cause then you're just going to have guys that are starting to dive diagonally from like the seven yard line. Cause there's no consequence mm-hmm. if they fumble it. I mean, I don't mind the rule as is. Yeah. I understand that. I'm not sure. It's one of those things that I, I get why people think it's a problem, but I don't have an obvious solution. So it's kind of like, leave it as it is. Like you said, yeah, and if he just didn't reach the ball out and just got tackled, then they have first and goal from the one and probably score on the next play or two. So it's just kind of one of those things where I know that it gets tempting once you get close to try to stretch the ball out and get it in, but it, it's just not worth the risk. And it kind of came out after this that I guess Bill Belichick has a strict policy that you don't stretch the ball out when you get down there. And then uh, Mike, Ray, Mike Rabel, I guess, took that with him to the Titans. And I saw a video of Ryan Tannehill with a sick run down the sideline and he reaches the ball out and gets it over the pylon and he goes over to the sideline all of his teammates everybody congratulating him Mike Vrabel just shakes his head like don't do that oh wow um and then they came out and said Kevin Stefanski apparently has that rule too that Richard Higgins obviously violated so if you don't want to fumble it through the end zone like that just don't stretch the ball out I mean it's a it's a simple solution yeah I understand well that aside I do think that the Browns won or gained the respect of a lot of people including me that was a very valiant effort they had a chance to win the game at the end so amazing season for the Browns broke that playoff streak won a playoff game so awesome job by them they're going to be a team to be reckoned with again next year one thing we have to mention is the Patrick Mahomes concussion we were talking about it a little bit earlier and it was a very weird play I'm not sure after watching several replays I'm still not sure exactly where he got concussed I don't think his head ever hit got hit that hard nor did his head hit the ground very hard like I can see why some people think it did but I don't think it ever got there because he kind of like bounced off the ball which was underneath him but regardless I think he's going to be fine for next week I'm not expecting him to be out anytime next week and i think they're going to be a full go for that game yeah vegas thinks he's going to play because they've got the chiefs minus three and vegas knows all so i'm going to kind of trust them for now but it was kind of a fluky play it didn't look like he hit his head maybe he got like choked out a little bit i'm not really sure i don't know how how that works but yeah it's kind of funny because you talk about or not funny but you know like the non-contact knee injuries Mm -hmm. whenever it's non-contact you know it's bad because it just means someone probably stepped awkwardly and their acl popped is this going to be a new thing the non-contact concussion i doubt it like he was just running and was like thinking too hard about which way to cut that's like saying a non-contact car accident (laughs) it doesn't happen yeah it it was a joke you were supposed to laugh but then you just kind of shook your head and called me an idiot so we can move on fair enough all right one thing that stood out to me about the chiefs well a few things really i was just reminded how many weapons they have on offense miko hardman is so fast Tyreek Hill is so fast. Travis Kelsey is amazing. So they're a tough team to stop. They also ran the ball pretty well with Darrell Williams. He had 78 yards, which they don't really need to run the ball that well. So even getting that many yards on the ground is huge for them. Also, I think at the end of this year, we need to have some sort of a little like shoot your shot award show. We can call it something like, you know, how the Dundies have their own awards. So we can call it something. Okay. Anyways, early contender for biggest balls of the year, Andy Reid, easily the, the nutsiest call at the end of that game. First of all, 
The Browns had no timeouts left when the Chiefs had the ball, fourth and one, around midfield. So you punt it away. They're going to have a long field with less than a minute and a half to go and no timeouts, and they have to score a touchdown. Pretty good situation. Andy Reid says, no, not only am I going to go for it in this situation, I'm also going to throw it with my backup quarterback who hasn't played all year. Huge, huge nuts by Andy Reid. Love the call. What would you think? Yeah, that was pretty insane. I think there are probably 31 coaches in the league who punt that or just QB sneak it there. One of the two. Trusting Chad Henney to throw it is just nuts. Yes. But that's that's what Andy Reid does. And Love it. He, he's been kind of a risk taker for most of his career. And him just being not all that averse to risk and now having the validation of a Super Bowl in his pocket makes him even more of a dangerous man. Yeah, for sure. When you got some street cred behind you, you can go even more ballsy, which is sick. Yeah. And I think it's awesome because now he's feeling himself after he's got a Super Bowl. He's like, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll show these guys what's up. So Chad Henney, I mean, proud of him for stepping up the way he did. He made some hilarious plays. He just, <laughs> he, he went zero to 100 real quick with that interception yeah. uh, down in the end zone. It was funny because he kind of took us on a little bit of a roller coaster ride, had that huge third down conversion throw to Travis Kelsey and then immediately threw the awful pick in the end zone. But he totally redeemed himself. He did. That fourth and 14 or I guess third and 14 run for 13 yards to put them in the situation where they went for it was an awesome play just because he completely sold out, gave it everything he got. It was pretty cool. So good for Chad Henney. Yeah, but hopefully we will not see him play again this season. Hopefully not. Want to see Mahomes. Want to see the showdown between him and Josh Allen. Yeah, well, let's move on to the final game of the divisional weekend. And the grand finale was kind of the best game of all of them. The Bucks and Saints. Saints got out to a 20-13 to lead. And then as they were driving to potentially go up two scores, Jared uh, Cook had a costly fumble. That kind of completely changed the complexion of this game. Lando, what'd you think? Yeah, it was a it was a battle until that big big changing game changing play. It was kind of a weird quarterback situation there. Drew Brees just did not look good. There were rumors already going around before the game, reports really, not even rumors going around that that was going to be his last game had they lost, and he just didn't look good. I I feel like those rumors are going to be true and he's going to be done because I'm not sure he has it anymore. On the other side, the Bucks didn't really do anything that impressive but they still beat a really good team on the road by double digit points. So that, that is impressive. Even though it didn't look like it, the final result was, what'd you think about it? Yeah, it was a little bit of not a more boring game. Cause there were definitely some exciting plays, but it was less offense than I expected. And you got to give some credit to the defenses, but like, even though the Bucks scored 30 points, Tom Brady threw for 199 yards. Like he didn't do anything all that impressive. Mm-hmm. The main thing I was impressed with from the Bucs offensively was their running backs. Leonard Fournette, playoff Lenny, looked like he was in good shape finally. Uh, You know, maybe after having 250 carries with the Jags every year for the last few years, he just needed some time to get ramped up. And then Ronald Jones looked good too. Yeah. He had a couple plays late in the game where he was banged up, but that's a good two-headed attack heading into the Packers game. Yeah, and then we've talked before, especially going into the Packers with how well the Packers ran the ball this past weekend, is that Bucks run defense is nasty with Levante David and Devin White. So we'll see. They, they really have a chance. I, I'm not sure they're, they're definitely not the best team, but they have a chance in that game for sure. They do. So you want to move forward to kind of talking about the conference championship games and who we're taking to win? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right, so let's start with the NFC Championship because we were just talking about the Bucks. They are traveling to Lambeau, the hallowed frozen tundra up in Green Bay to take on the Packers. Aaron Rodgers in the number one offense against Tom Brady the GOAT. What you think? 
This is a tough one, and part of me wants to roll with the Bucks, but the more I think about it, the more I think that the Packers are just the better team. I think that pass rush is going to be a problem for the Bucks, Zadarius Smith especially, and then what we just talked about, the ability to run the ball, even though the Bucks are good at stopping the run, just the dual threat of running and passing that the Packers have, Aaron Rodgers on top of his game right now. I think it's going to be by a very slim margin, but I'm going to go with the Packers. I'm kind of with you on this one. It, it It's a weird feeling just to have Tom Brady in a new uniform going up to Lambeau because like I have this thought about the Bucks being a Tampa Bay, like playing in the Sun team, not being able to go up there. But I just feel like Brady and Bruce Arians just don't have that persona at all. Mm-hmm. Like they kind of embody like this cold weather, like gritty team, oh, yeah. you know? So I don't know if the Packers have all that much of an advantage from that standpoint, but they just have too much momentum for me. Like the Packers with the number one offense in the league is just so good, kind of firing on all cylinders. I feel like this is a huge legacy game for Rodgers chasing that second ring, especially playing against Brady. And I just think he's going to come to play. Just curious. Do you know after this weekend, how many career playoff wins Tom Brady has? Oh, man. I do know that this is his 14th conference championship, which is insane. That is wild. So to answer your question, no. He has 32 playoff wins, which is even more impressive given how many times that his team has been a bye week team in the first round, so he's missed a game. But he has 32 career playoff wins. Do you know who is second and how many second place has? Oh, man. Again, no. I I mean, I'll... I'll, If you guess an obvious name, you'd probably get it right. Peyton Manning? Close. Joe Montana. So Joe Montana, Montana? Joe, Joe Montana is second place all time with quarterback playoff wins with 16. So exactly twice as many for Tom Brady as second place. That's wild. That is pretty crazy. And I know that Peyton kind of had some well-documented playoff struggles, but I think he's the only guy to win two Super Bowls with two different teams. So figured, so figured maybe it was him with all those yeah. playoff runs, yeah. even if all of them weren't successful. But anyway, yeah, back to the NFC Championship. I just I think the Packers have a little bit too much momentum and they remind me of the 2017 Falcons. I don't know if you remember that team like everyone thinks about them from the Super Bowl, but they absolutely steamrolled the NFC. Mm-hmm. Like they were playing in the last game ever at Georgia Dome against the Packers in that game and just kind of beat the crap out of them. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's where the Packers are right now. I don't think anyone's going to beat them except maybe the Chiefs. Yeah, they're rolling right now, and it's really hard to bet against them. It's hard to say that Tom Brady's not going to win a game, especially a game this big in cold weather. It just feels like a Tom Brady game, but I, I think we're both going to roll with the Packers. Yeah, I'm going Pack 34-24. Ooh, you're going pretty high scoring. I'm going to go a little bit lower scoring. I'm going to say Packers 27-21. Wow, okay, so you're going a little lower. The over-under on this game is 51, so I guess I'm taking the over, you're taking the under. I kind of hope it's a shootout between Rodgers and Brady, but let's move on to the AFC Championship game. Another great quarterback matchup. Two MVP candidates from this year. I think they both finished top five in the voting. It's Josh Allen and Bills Mafia traveling to Arrowhead Stadium to take on Patrick Mahomes and the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs. What you think about this one? Oh man, this is what I've wanted to see for a long time now. Once the Bills kind of showed out in the regular season, I saw how good they were. Everyone's known from the beginning that the Chiefs were a team to beat, so this is just a collision of the Titans. I think most of the things in my head are telling me to go with the Chiefs, but they did show a little bit of vulnerability. Patrick Mahomes might not be 100%, even though he's going to play. I'm rolling with the Bills. I I think they're just going to ride Josh Allen. They're going to ride that defense, and they're going to take it to the Super Bowl. Okay. Wow. Upset there. I mean, the spread's only three, which is a lot of respect for the Bills, especially going on the road to Arrowhead, which is a tough place to play, even without fans. But yeah, this one, it's going to be amazing. And I really hope that Patrick Mahomes is 100% because I think this could be an absolute shootout, especially given the way that the Bills don't run the ball. They 
could both just be airing it out the whole game. But anyway, an underlying storyline here that I wanted to talk to you about was Andy Reid is hosting his third straight home conference championship game, only the second time a coach has ever done that before. Lando, trivia, do you know who the first was? It's hard not to guess Bill Belichick, but that seems too obvious. Yeah, it was Andy Reid with the Eagles. Wow, that's yeah. pretty impressive. And the NFC Championship, yeah. And Andy Reid, he was with the Eagles for 13 years. For 10 of those years, a defensive assistant and ultimately defensive coordinator for him, Sean McDermott. That's pretty interesting. That is interesting. And it's going to be an incredible matchup of two really good, really well-respected coaches. Andy Reid going for his second Super Bowl. He's already a first ballot Hall of Famer, I think, at this point. Sean McDermott kind of trying to submit his legacy to get his first one. So I'm really looking forward to the X's and O's of this game. Yeah, for sure. There's been talk for a long time about the Bill Belichick coaching tree and how many good coaches have come from under his tutelage. I feel weird saying the word tutelage. But... Um, the Andy Reid coaching tree has been growing and being talked about more recently, including guys like Sean McDermott and Matt Nagy. There's a few other coaches in the NFL right now that are coming from him. So he's a stud, balls of the year. Yeah, I was actually thinking about the Andy Reid coaching tree today because it was kind of funny how he was that longtime Eagles coach, got him to, I think, three or four Super Bowls, couldn't quite get over the hump, and they fired him and ultimately hired his offensive coordinator, Doug Peterson, and now want to hire, or at least want to interview Eric Bieniemy, who was another one of his coordinators. It's like, it's just funny to fire a guy and then try to hire everyone from his (laughs) tutelage, like you said. Yeah, so like John Harbaugh, Doug Peterson, Ron Rivera, Sean McDermott, Brad Childress, Matt Nagy, all those guys from Andy Reid. It's pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, so he's an incredible coach. I'm I, I don't know who I'm pulling for in this one. I, I just like both of these teams so much and I feel like it's gonna be kind of a really cool matchup no matter who wins both of these games and I was joking with my friends last night and I think I might have texted you and dad too but just thinking about potential Super Bowl storylines how funny would it be if the Bills got to the Super Bowl and were matched up against Tom Brady who they've been trying to get out of their division for 20 years yeah they just cannot escape Tom (laughs) Brady that is that is tough for the Bills yeah so there's that storyline I'm trying to think what else we got we've got the State Farm Super Bowl between the Packers and Chiefs, Chiefs which would be amazing and then I guess what's the matchup we're not talking about chiefs and bucks which is the goat versus potentially the future goat mahomes is like if you had to pick one guy who might end up winning six or seven super bowls like brady you're talking about mahomes right yeah maybe got a long way to go (laughs) yeah okay i guess i'm getting ahead of myself but i mean what is he 25 years old and this could be number two yeah it's It's just it's crazy i'm I'm really looking forward to this week and the super bowl they're all going to be amazing games yeah, I know that you're not sure who you want to win. I do like the Chiefs too, but it's a pretty easy call for me. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year and the the Bills haven't won one ever and they haven't been to one since we were little children. So let's go Bills. Come on, Bills Mafia. You deserve this. Yeah, I'm with you. And I do think I got a slight edge on the Bills as well. I'll be pulling for Josh Allen to get number one. But yeah, I'm going to predict that the Chiefs win this one. I think they take it in a high scoring affair, 37-31. Well, as far as the score is concerned, a lot of this depends on weather for me, given how much both of these teams like to pass the ball and the fact that it's outdoors in Kansas City. So if it's really cold or snowing, then it might be a little bit lower scoring. I'm going to go lower lower scoring than you once again. I'm going to go Bills 28-27. Wow. Okay. So you're still going over with that. Over, but lower than you. 53 and a half. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just don't know who that benefits. Like the Bills literally cannot run the ball. Like they don't, they don't even pretend. I think I saw that their offensive coordinator, Brian Dable ran 19 passing plays of their first 20 plays this past Mm -hmm. week. Like that's kind of unheard of. 
like you at least pretend to try to have some balance and they don't which is interesting especially given the fact that josh allen can run he'll just take off and scramble but yeah, i don't know that's the weird thing is even when you look at the box score and you see how many rushes rushing attempts that they had a lot of those aren't even called run plays they're just josh allen scrambling so they run even less than it looks like they do in the box score yeah just I worry that that's going to catch up to them at some point, just because the Chiefs have been really good against the pass all season. That secondary with Tyron Matthew, Bashad Breland, Legarius Sneed. I mean, they've just they've been so good against the pass. And if you have to run the ball against them, and the Bills refuse to do it, I just I worry about that offense. Yeah, I'm not I'm not debating you. Everything in my head tells me that the Chiefs are going to win. Just my heart is so with the Bills that I have to go for them. Yeah, I don't know. I'm pulling for the Bills too. Maybe I'm kind of talking myself out of it like a little bit of an emotional hedge, but I don't know. I just, I have this tendency to when a team wins a championship, I can't believe that they're going to lose until they do lose. I do that in every sport. Like I'm always the guy picking a repeat champion, even though it's incredibly rare. Fair enough. Well, we've pretty much come to the end of our NFL talk, and I looked at the TV a second ago, and the Suns are currently playing the Memphis Grizzlies. And DeAndre Ayton was on the screen, and I had a very brief moment of confusion because either DeAndre Ayton is aging as fast as Greg Oden, or (laughs) we have just jumped forward 20 years in a time machine. Which one is it? Yeah, I don't know. DeAndre Ayton, he's one of the guys who, like, you got to dig up his birth certificate. Who was the the Little League baseball player back in the day? Danny Almonte. Danny Almonte. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was just striking out, like, 20, 12-year-olds a game as a, what, 14-year-old? He was, like, 16. Okay, this is the funny part is – is not only was he like four years older than all the kids he was playing against, he was also really good. Like he ended up in the minors, I think. Like he's just a nasty 16-year-old just came yeah. up a bunch of 12-year-olds. I am 12. That is savage. <laughs> you hate to see it. I mean, it happens in the major leagues too, like Miguel Tejada, potentially Albert Pujols. You never know. Albert Pujols, now that he has gotten into his supposedly 40s, is showing, looking like he's even older. That guy can't hit a baseball at all anymore. He can barely move. He can barely stand. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's not a good baseball player anymore, but he's still owed like $60 million next two years, so good for him. Yeah. Well, off of Albert Pujols, let's go back to NBA. James Harden traded to the Brooklyn Nets. We said we wanted this to happen before the season because it would be an absolute movie in that locker room. We haven't really seen the full concoction in the locker room yet because Kyrie Irving has disappeared, apparently. But what did you think of the trade? Well, there's a lot to talk about here. Yeah. First of all, it still remains to be seen what the Nets are going to look like with that full squad with all three of those guys in the same locker room and on the court at the same time. It was a really interesting trade. It, it had to happen. We all knew it was just kind of building and building until it had to happen. James Harden stopped caring at all. He wasn't even playing hard, even pretending to play hard his last few games of the Rockets. So this had to happen. The Rockets got a really good haul for him. They got four first round picks, four pick swaps and a few players. So not a bad trade for them. They have a long-term future ahead of them trying to rebuild and kind of gain some talent, but they got a few pieces to start with and, and some draft capital. So that's pretty good for them. As far as the Nets are concerned, I just, I think it's going to be so interesting. It's weird because they've played one game so far. They're about to play their second one in like 15 minutes, but they played one game so far with Kevin Durant and James Harden without Kyrie Irving. And I think that duo is pretty darn good together. Like that's, that's a team to be reckoned with right there. I feel like they get worse with Kyrie Irving, both in terms of team chemistry and in terms of like on court balance. I'm not really sure how they play with all three of those guys at the same time. So it's going to be really fun to watch. It's going to be the number one storyline for probably the rest of the regular season. 
Yeah, it probably is. And it's a little bit of deja vu with the Brooklyn Nets. This time, I think that they are much better off. But you remember when Mikhail Prokhorov acquired the Nets back in the day and they just kind of immediately mortgaged their future for like the aging superstars from the Celtics with KG, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, and everyone was like, what the hell are you doing? This time is much better than that. I mean, these guys are better. They're a little bit younger. So they're going to have, you know, maybe a more extended um, championship window. But if they don't, like, they just ruin the franchise again for 10 years. Yeah. Do you think all three of these guys are on the team for game one next season? No. Do I just, not? if, I was going to say if they win the championship, maybe, and if they don't, then no. But I feel like even if they win the title, but Kate or Kyrie feels like he's third fiddle, he's going to want out. Yeah, Kyrie already wanted out. We've talked about this before. Kyrie already wanted out when he was second behind LeBron with the Cavs. He couldn't handle being the second best player in the Cavs, even though they beat the 72-win Warriors for a championship. He wasn't happy with that. So how's he going to be happy being clearly the third best option on his own team? I just don't see it happening. Yeah, and like I know a lot of people historically haven't enjoyed playing with LeBron, apparently. So if you wanted to give him a little benefit of the doubt before he went to the Celtics, but then he forced his way out there too. And that's kind of like a historically well-run championship franchise. So I just don't know what this guy's deal is. But to answer your question, no, I think one of them's got to go. But I mean, Harden, as long as he's playing the way he is now and KD looks fully healthy, that's a team that could win a ship. Well, KD's killing it. He's he's averaging over 30 points a game. I think he's the second leading scorer in the NBA right now. So he looks really good. One really weird thing about Harden is in the last week between his last game with the Rockets and his first game with the Nets, it looks like he lost 20 pounds. It looks like he was wearing a fat suit for his last week in Houston. What is that? He's wearing Michael Klump's fat suit. <laughs> it, it, it was pretty weird to see, and people have speculated or joked that he was wearing a fat suit and that he's going to mail it to Deshaun Watson now so that he can force <laughs> his way out of Houston the same way that Harden did. But yeah, I don't know. James, James Harden, he just clearly made up in his mind uh, in the offseason that he was just going to be a complete jerk until they traded them, and it worked. So keep an eye on the Nets. They're a contender. Yeah, probably not the best way to handle it, but I think it ended up working out pretty well for both franchises. Yeah, it's another thing that bums me out about there not being fans this year because his return to Houston, I feel like, is going to be pretty amazing. I think there are going to be some pretty ravaging boos. Yeah, for sure. Just the I can't wait to see more come out about the personalities of these three guys on the same team. Like, you know, Kyrie Irving is just becoming more and more apparently a nut job every day that goes by with him disappearing from the team and not wanting to play and burning sage on the court before the game, believing the earth is flat. You've got Kevin Durant, who just cannot take any criticism whatsoever. He, Fortunately for him, he's so good at basketball, he doesn't get a whole lot. But like I saw a video on Instagram earlier today where he was like walking into the arena and a fan called him a cheese butt and he like was ready, <laughs> he was ready to like fight the fan. Called him a cheese butt? Cheese butt, yeah. I've never not, I've not heard that. I've never one. heard that either, but just, the guy called him that and Kevin Durant like walks over like he's about to fight the guy. It's like, you're a professional athlete and some like teenager calls you that. You can't just shake that off and, and just keep on walking, dude. It's like not that big of a deal. So he can't take that and then and James Harden just doesn't really care about winning basketball games as long as he gets to go to the strip club and get paid. So the three of those guys together with a first year head coach and not really many role players anymore, it's going to be a strange combo. 
It is, but like we said, they are going to be really good. I mean, I, I want to fast forward to the playoffs, and if they get to the finals, like them matched up with either the Lakers or the Clippers, that's just so much firepower, so many superstars in one series that it's going to be pretty amazing. A lot of superstars, but they they have lost a lot of depth. That's going to be a problem for them. They're going to be able to stagger it so that they never have any time where at least one of those guys is on the floor, and almost all the time I think they're going to have two of those guys on the floor, especially when rotations get shorter in the playoffs. But like the Lakers, for example, or the Bucks, are the two first teams that come to mind have are just so much deeper roster wise than the Nets are now. You got to remember they lost Spencer Dinwiddie to the ACL injury for the rest of the year. They traded Karis LeVert and they traded Jared Allen. DeAndre Jordan is not a meaningful player really. He just gets some, he gets rebounds, but he's not he can't score at all. So the only role player they have is, that's worth anything right now is Joe Harris, who is a really good player, but just the lack of depth I think is going to hurt them later on in the season. Yeah, but at any point if they need some added depth, just pull Steve Nash off the bench. That would be sick. He could get some point guard minutes, bring the ball up the floor, pass into KD and Harden on the wings to hit shots. I mean, you never know. I wish player coaching was a thing more often. I kind of want LeBron after this last couple of years of the Lakers to finish off his season, finish off his career as a player coach. That'd be hype. 2022 NBA Finals, Lakers, Nets, LeBron and Steve Nash both playing as player coaches. <laughs> is that the uh, is that the plot to Space Jam 2 that has been in production apparently for like eight years? It's coming out this year. It's about is to it? come out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They've already had like not really trailers, but their first little glimpses of it. We'll see how it goes. It's interesting. I think Don Cheadle's the bad guy. Do you know that? No. Yeah. Like his voice or like he's in the movie as a bad guy? I think he's in the movie as a bad guy. Really? Yeah. Wow. Are there any guest appearances like Bill Murray? I don't know about Bill Murray, but there's a lot of basketball players in it. Like a lot of NBA players in there. Huh. And it's written by the same person who wrote like Creed and Black Panther. What? Isn't that pretty sick? I guess. Yeah. It's kind of hype. Uh, yeah. Those are legit movies. Yeah. I, I I haven't seen Creed, but Black Panther was good. For years, I've been, because this has been, t- been talked about for years. For years, I've been skeptical about Space Jam 2. It's one of those, I don't really want them to make a sequel because it's not going to be as good as the first one. And plus, I'm not a kid anymore, so it's going to be just different. But I'm getting a little bit hopeful. I'm probably just going to have my dreams crushed. But Space Jam 2 could be good. I saw LeBron for the first time the other day in his Toon Squad jersey. Kind of got me excited. Yeah, the the jerseys are definitely pretty modern. A little too modern for some people's tastes, but I didn't mind them. They're they're fun. Yeah, I I kind of probably would have preferred the throwback to in squad jerseys, just keeping the same. But what can you do? Yeah. All right. Well, we came into this episode planning to talk about the conference championships in the NFL and a little bit of an NBA update. Kind of veered off talking about Albert Pujols and Space Jam. We love it. But now that we've covered those topics, is that about it for today? I think that's it. All right, let's do it. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in to the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening. Please leave us some ratings and reviews on Apple and Spotify. Thank you and have a good week. See you.